Good evening, everyone. So uh, those of you that are here this morning may have noticed that in the bulletin, the scripture reading for today was the same for John Costello's sermon and for mine this evening. And so I will admit I had a mild panic attack this morning that I'm going to have to come up with something on the fly for this evening if he does the exact same lesson I was planning. But uh, thankfully, he did a slightly different uh, tact with it, which is good. And uh, it actually reminded me of something we were talking about uh, in Bible study this morning, um, which is even the same passage there are many different meanings. There can be kind of a what's directly in front of you, what Jesus was telling you meaning, um, and then a deeper spiritual and even in hindsight meaning that we take from the different texts. And so um, even though we may have had uh, similar scripture readings as the jump off point for uh, our various lessons, uh, I'm hopeful that this is different than uh, what John uh, brought to everyone this morning. So, uh, so this will sound a little familiar. So the scripture reading for this evening is Matthew 5, uh, I'm sorry, Matthew 7, 1 through 5. Uh, judge not that you not be judged, for with what judgment you judge, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye, and look, a plank is in your own eye? Hypocrite. First remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Judging others. You know people who do that kind of thing, and many of us, maybe most of us, know what it's like to be on the receiving end of people who judge others. Now, in all honesty, I don't have too much problem with someone that wants to judge me as the handsomest, the smartest, or the coolest person that they know, but that's usually not what we think of when we talk about judging others. Uh, it should be noted that this passage in Matthew has uh, erroneously been used to suggest that believers should never evaluate or criticize anyone or anything. Our modern society hates absolutes, especially theological and moral absolutes, and simplistic interpretation provides a convenient escape uh, from confrontation. Uh, members of modern society, including many professing Christians, tend to resist uh, dogmatism and strong convictions when it comes to things like right and wrong. Many prefer only to speak of all-inclusive love, compromise, unity. Uh, to the modern religious person, those are the only doctrines worth defending, and they are the doctrines to which every conflicting doctrine must be sacrificed. Uh, it's not that we are not to point out sin, but we are to examine our motives in doing so. So here in Matthew 7, where Jesus addresses a number of issues about relationships, we need to listen to what he said, has to say about this matter of judging in a Christian community. The focus will be on the first five verses of Matthew 7. We'll look at them in three parts. First, the issue of judging. Second, the danger of judging. And third, a concern about hypocrisy. First, then, we look at the simple issue of judging. But to get there, we have to consider a few things about the text. It seems pretty clear from the translation what Jesus is saying, do not judge. But then you have to ask a question. How literally do we take that? You can add to the above verses the passage in John 8 about the woman caught in adultery. Jesus says, if any of you is without sin, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. And you look at scripture verses that speak about humility, the danger of self-righteousness, and the admonition to be slow to speak and quick to listen, and it can all be a little confusing. Don't judge, Jesus says, but what exactly does that mean? There is a sense in which we, of course, can't live without judging in some way. We make judgments about all kinds of things. Is it safe to cross the street? What time should I get up? What tasks are higher priorities for this day? 
Jesus isn't saying that we give up making those kinds of necessary judgments in our day-to-day lives. Nor is Jesus implying that baking contests are wrong, talent shows are inappropriate, or that the Olympics are unchristian and employers can no longer ask questions of their employees. All these matters require judgment of people and their abilities and how they might fit into whatever it is we're doing throughout our daily worldly lives. In fact, in Matthew 7, 6, Jesus implies this pretty directly. There is no way you can follow what he says about not giving dogs what is sacred and not throwing pearls to pigs if you don't make some judgments about who are dogs and who are pigs. And elsewhere in the Sermon on the Mount and throughout the Bible, God's word makes clear that we have to judge all kinds of things in all kinds of ways. So we're still left asking, what does Jesus mean here? Paul tells us in the letter to the Romans, therefore let us not judge one another anymore, but rather determine this, not to put an obstacle or a stumbling block in a brother's way. The judging that Jesus is talking about is the kind of judging that is done without any intent to build any kind of relationship with that person or to help that person. Which brings us to point number two, the danger of judging. We need to understand that the the danger of that kind of judging and to the heart of why it is so dangerous is that it misses the way Jesus interacts with each of us. If you know God in Christ, then you are a forgiven person. Jesus has forgiven you. But Jesus makes very clear that a forgiven person should also be a forgiving person. If I really know what God has done for me in Jesus, then I know that more than anything, God cares for the souls of people and for their well-being. And if I am going to be a disciple of Jesus, then I have to care for the well-being of other souls as well. Judging others is also dangerous, God tells us, because the way we judge others and the measure we use is also what he will use with us. Both here and elsewhere, Jesus makes clear that God's judgment will take into account the judging that I have done with people in my life. And while we may know and understand and even agree with that, just how aware are we of our attitudes, our criticisms, and our judgments of others? When was the last time you took the time to examine how you were doing in that department? Because it is so easy and so human in a very earthly way to assume that people do an injustice to me when they judge me negatively, but when I judge others, it's because I'm right. But Jesus says, watch it, be careful. Whether it has to do with people's actions, lifestyle, children, weaknesses, or sins, be careful, Jesus says. So when you think about someone or assess them, you have to ask whether you're doing it with an attitude of wanting to understand them or to help build them up, or if you're doing it in a way to put someone down, put them in their place, condemn them, or pass it on as gossip. Is, it our, atti- is our attitude one that shows concern for the other person, like we read in Ephesians 4? Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down under wrath, nor give place to the devil. Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as, Christ, even as God in Christ forgave you. Do we have a desire to help the person if in fact they have sinned? Because if we judge with an attitude of simply putting people down, 
well, that will in turn influence how God will judge us. But if we judge with an attitude of caring and helping and building and forgiving, well, the measure we will use will also be measured to us. Then thirdly, we get to Jesus' concern about hypocrisy. You see, Jesus knows that we have an inherent fatal tendency to exaggerate the faults of others and minimize the seriousness of our own. We tend to have a rosier view of our own opinions and a negative view of anyone who thinks differently. Jesus, in effect, is saying that if you honestly know yourself and if you who are in a relationship to God and you know the sin for which Jesus had to die and if you really know the human heart and our needs before God, then you should know that what you may see on the outside of someone else's life may be relatively small to compared to what it is that Christ died for you in your own life. We need to be honest with ourselves when we look at others. If you know this, you will be conscious of your own guilt before God and the price Jesus paid for each of you. And that has to lead you to be more generous and humble in relation to others. Because then your interest will not simply be to classify people and their behavior, but to love and help them as God has helped each of you. The problem, however, is that we can all be hypocrites. Maybe you have heard before that the word hypocrite was the earlier word for actor. An actor is someone who portrays a life that is not their life in reality. So Jesus isn't saying we shouldn't be concerned about sin in our community. Of course we should be. No, Jesus is saying that it's hypocrisy acting what isn't real in our own life if we portray that we are concerned about righteousness, but in reality are primarily interested only in the righteousness of others while closing an eye to our own. Why is that? Because real disciples, if they are genuinely concerned about the problem of sin and what it does, will be concerned about their own sin first. And I think this is largely what John was talking about uh, today in his sermon about shining that light. And once we have genuinely dealt with the reality of sin and the reality of guilt and the reality of confession and the reality of forgiveness between us and God, then and only then can we be in a position to help others and not simply judge them. Without a doubt, Jesus definitely calls us to work with each other, speaking the truth in love for one another, encouraging and admonishing. We have a responsibility for each other, and if we see sin, we have to deal with it. The Bible says that too. We are told not to be complacent with an unrepentant sinner, specifically a member of our church. From Corinthians, uh, 1 Corinthians 5, I wrote to you in my epistle not to keep company with sexually immoral people. Yet I certainly did not mean with the sexually immoral people of this world or with the covetous or extortioners or idolaters, since then you would need to get out of the world. But now I have written to you not to keep company with anyone named a brother who is sexually immoral or covetous or an idolater or a viler or a drunkard or an extortioner, not even to eat with such a person. For what have I to do with judging those who are outside? Do you not judge those who are inside? But those who are, outside, who are outside, God judges. Therefore, put away from yourselves the evil person. The goal of confronting sin among us isn't meant to be vindictive. We are not seeking to punish people or to throw them out of the church. Our aim is to restore the offender to the body. In Galatians 6, Paul writes, Brethren, even if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a person in a spirit of gentleness each one looking to yourself so that you too will not be tempted. Looking to yourself implies that you too could fall into sin. 
So don't be self-righteous or condescending in your approach. James 5 says, My brethren, if any among you strays from the truth and one turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Love seeks to turn a sinner from their sin. It's our attitude, our motivation. It is the condition of our heart that truly determines if we are building our brethren up or if we are just being judgmental. If you know what it is like to be judged by God correctly and then forgiven, then you know the attitude you ought to have with others. That's the discipleship to which Jesus calls me and you again today. Whenever we assign people to condemnation without mercy, because they do not do something that we think it ought to be done, or because we believe their motives are wrong, we pass judgment that only God is qualified to make. Jesus does not call for men to cease to be examining and discerning, but to renounce the presumptuous temptation to try to be God. That means that a good challenge for any one of us in response to, take, to this is to take a moment today or sometime this week to ask someone who knows us a little if they experience us as judgmental or critical. Ask them if they experience us as encouraging and upbuilding, and then consider how you can grow from what you learned from that experience. But whatever you do, take it seriously, because this is the call of the Lord, and the measure you, and the measure you use will be used for you too. Build each other up in the way of the Lord, for this is his word to those who would be his disciples. If there's any way that we can help you, won't you let us know while together we stand and we sing? <laughs>